Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to yet another conversation with. So uh, tonight we have um, a pretty cool uh, conversation uh, already and uh, raring to go. We are going to be talking to, of course, David, as usual. I'll bring him in in a second. And uh, yet another David. We have uh, two Davids for the price of one tonight. And um, the David Gibson, of course, being David number two or David number one, depending on your perspective, is... Um, uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll let him tell his story, but uh, he is uh, absolutely uh, a very, very, very seriously experienced individual, uh, both out in and outside of video games. He's done a, a bunch of work um, in, a, in a number of different animation-based industries, and uh, but uh, he currently resides mostly in video games, sort of like myself. So uh, let's uh, bring in those two wonderful human beings, and we'll have our little uh, our little chatty chat. Hold on one second. Here he comes. Here comes David. There he is. Hey. That's my sound effect. Hi. You like my sound hey, effect when you come in? It's I'm, I'm like a, I'm a professional beatboxer. I don't know if you knew that, but that's that's sort of like a, a side gig that I have. So I was slightly impressed. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, it gets better. Just just let me warm oh, up a little bit. I just that, I mean, that's a good thing. The, the the glasses are full. There is yeah, plenty of right. room for improvement. Exactly. I think I just need another muse. Let's bring that other muse in here, and then we'll be able to up my game. David number two. How well? How are you? Or are you David hey number guys. one or David number two? Should you guys have like a Thunderdome match and see who survives to be number one or what? I'm um, willing to give David Gibson okay. the wow. number one spot tonight. Wow. High praise. Uh, wow. I made the call. Hello, David Gibson. <laughs> How are you this evening? And I'm good. Um, good. That's great. And where where are we connecting from? Where, where where in the world are you these days? So I live in sunny Long Beach, California. Oh, that's that's really terrible. I really you know yeah. it's it must be difficult. It's not difficult. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what <laughs> but I, I actually I ended up in this spot because uh, you know the the industry is kind of split between Orange County and Irvine. Yeah, and then yeah. like Santa Monica and L.A. And I mm-hmm. figured, well, if I want to, I don't know, raise a family and own a home yeah. and not have to move every other and year, not have to move all the time, I should yeah. probably land somewhere in the middle. Makes sense. <laughs> so wise, yeah. and it just happens to but, be a beach. I'm sure that was exactly. like it had nothing to do with anything. Well, speaking of industries and speaking of being in the middle of everything, why don't uh, why don't you just give us kind of a quick, you know, whatever, like the I would say the nutshell tour, but like that's kind of difficult when you have as many years of experience as you do. But why don't you give us a basic idea as to kind of what like what what started this journey? What were the kind of crazy sort of shenanigans you got up to along the way? And kind of more or less, what do you find yourself doing these days? So sure, um, I, li- I like to call this the movie trailer version. Okay, that's good. Or of, the elevator of, of a career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I didn't. I didn't always know that I wanted to be an animator. I used to play music. That's what I thought I was going to do. Um, oh, I have my my cello back there in the in the back. There it is. Oh, a um, cello, even string guy. Yeah, I played professionally for a while, and I wow. it was it was kind of like I was a big orchestra dork in is high school, the, and these are the kind yeah, of things that come out in these conversations. This, you know, this is you know, does this show up in interviews? No, but it shows up in a conversation. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, and. 
you know, I, I just I think it hit me one time uh, after like a private lesson or some crazy rehearsal where I was like, I don't <laughs> think I want to make this my my life. You know, I, I'm going to yeah, hate it if sure. I have to do it all the time. And around the around that time, I think I had seen Toy Story and like Jurassic Park had come out. And I was I was a little kid at the time, but I was just kind of like, whoa, people get paid money to like that's someone's job. <laughs> it's to, like make dinosaurs like yeah, tear yeah. up a Ford Explorer or something like that sounds cool. Um, and so the more I sort of like found out about that and learned about it, um, I remember a friend gave me a copy of True Space. Do you guys ever oh, use yes. True Space yes. 3D? Yes, that was the first thing I ever used, and I had no idea what it was. That's old school, yeah. And I, I just made like text spin around and stuff. But there was something about it, like it was really satisfying to sit there sure. and pour hours into it, and then you know watch the thing move, and you're like, oh, I did that. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I decided, hey, I should probably look into art schools, uh, and I found Ringling School of Art and Design, which was actually 15 minutes away from my house in Florida. I was like, oh score this is great i'll just i'll just go there this will be really easy and then they didn't accept me the first year because i didn't have any art school (laughs) like art art classes or anything yeah and so i talked to admissions and i was like well what should i you know what should i do like they were like well we'll take you for illustration or fine arts or something i was like no i want to do animation translation Um, we'll take your money for a year at least exactly yeah yeah. we'll we'll throw you into these majors that you're not interested in um And so for a year, I worked four jobs and just did art stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, they, they gave me these kind of like six prompts, you know, like mm-hmm. draw a crumpled up paper bag, draw, you know, a still life, draw this, draw from life, like all that sort of stuff. And so I just filled out a portfolio. And then that mm-hmm. second year that I applied, so this would have been for the year 2000, I also was not accepted, Ooh. but I was waitlisted. I think I was like 23 oh. or 24 Progress. on the waitlist. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm crushed at this point because I'm like, sure. what do I do <laughs> if I don't make it? And the I remember this woman in admissions was like, stay on the list. I, I've seen it happen. I've seen this many people, you know, either or either bow out or switch mm-hmm. schools or something. She's like, I yeah. think it can I think it can happen. And so sure enough, it was two weeks before school started. And she called me up. She's like, you're in. You got it. <laughs> And I, I was sweating bullets because I'm like, school starts in like two weeks. I don't. You so know? did you leave at the part where you like slip money out of the desk or is that I like? A, I, oh, no, wow. I didn't. I, got, I just got super lucky. But I awesome. feel like there's I, I feel like there's some part of me still like lives in that moment where I'm like, oh, I was waitlisted, huh? Oh, I wasn't good enough the first time, huh? Oh, yeah, like sure. that. And it's like, it's just like fueling right. me constantly. A little tip on the shoulder. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. oh, I'll show you. Like, yeah. Okay. But at the same time, I thank them too. Cause it's like, well, maybe that fuel hadn't have been like, wouldn't have been For there. Sure. Yeah. You obviously took it happened. seriously and you really yeah. dug in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it was great. I was able to stay at home, save a bunch of money, you know, go to school and I really great memories of friends that were in Sarasota from out of state would come over like on Sundays for family dinners because they missed that at their, you know, cause they were away from home and that sort of thing. And so they would come over. My mom was always like, you know, calling me like how many people? And I'm like six, uh, seven people. And she's like, all right, you better stop at the store and get more you know, chicken or something. You know, like I didn't make that much pasta. So you got to figure that out. But awesome. so I, w- I did, I did the four years. It was great. Um, I always just wanted to do animation. You know, I wasn't interested in lighting or modeling or, or that kind of stuff. Like I understood I needed to, I needed to appreciate it. I needed to understand it, but I was always like, no, no, no. I want to do animation. Like I want to make the, I want to make the dinosaur run around and, and eat people, or I want to make the person 
you know, act or, or mm. pick up the object or drive the car, whatever they're doing. Uh, and so I was really gunning for like some type of job in animation. And I got a job at EA. It's kind of a, listen to the iAnime podcast if you want to hear like the full story, but got a job at EA cleaning up mocap um, in 2004 <laughs> on, on Madden. And there was a part of me where I was like, this is not what I want to do. This is not what I thought I'd be doing. But hey, they're paying me and I have student loans due. So I'll take this. But the entire time I was there, I was animating at home at night and I was doing dialogue, like lip sync stuff, like 11 second kind of competition stuff. And then I got a call from Tippett Studio and they were like, hey, we're we're staffing up for Charlotte's Web and we'd like to interview you for that and see if you want to come out. And then they moved me out to Berkeley, which I was like, that was the first taste of that, too. Like, wow, this company's paying for me to like move me to California across the across the whole country. And then I was there for about four, like almost five years, four and a half years. I think I was at Tibet. I love that place like that. Uh, if, if there was if there was anywhere that I've worked that I would I would go back in a second, it would be Tippett. Like it just was, it was the coolest, like really yeah. great people. I've and heard nothing but good things. Yeah. About that it's, the and work they, too, like the work that these guys work on, like that team yeah. is just famous. And there's, stuff. there's something about like, you are like a 10 minute walk from Pixar when you work at Tippett. And that does, it, it kind of hits you sometimes. You're kind of like, oh yeah, we're not, we're not the cool ones. But <laughs> everyone at Tippett, gives a hundred percent like they work so hard and they care so much about everything that they're working on that it just i don't know like i'm so glad i got my start at a studio like that um oh, yeah. i always kind of get a little a i get a little sweaty when someone's like i just graduated from school and i'm starting at blizzard or pixar or something i'm like oh that's uh, i don't know good luck, <laughs> good luck with that yeah because uh, i feel like you have like a pretty warped sense of the industry if yeah, that's where sure. you come in at you yeah, know, that's it's, it's be... hard to like. Yeah, exactly. You're always going to be like the next jobs are never going to quite do it for you. You're going to be like looking for th something that just doesn't exist. Like, yeah. Or yeah. if you if you come in that high at the beginning, like where do you where do that's you go? I, that's what I mean. Like, there's that you lose that sense of progress, and there's yeah. the grass is actually going to get greener on the next one. It's tricky. so, David. What was the game at E that you worked on that you Madden. Game up for? Madden? Madden football, football. Yeah. All right, so going into animation for, you know, performance, acting, maybe a little bit of creature, a little entertainment, and then you're cleaning mocap for football players data. Yeah, it, you know, it was a year spent basically like living in the graph editor, you know, and like I would import the mocap and I would start to see like little blips in the curves and I would see gimbal, you know, flips and things like that. And I and I don't I don't regret it at all because I feel like I just got so comfortable with the tools yeah. um that it i don't know i just i use it still today where i just like i can just look at the graph editor and be like oh there's a problem on on frame 65 like i can already tell like there's something yeah that, that's something yeah. i think i think it was uh richard lico that that mentioned it and others that i work with uh, as well when you work with mocap for long enough it's almost like you 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 see motion just looking yeah, at, at, at curve and you understand locomotion of all totally. those different parts because so it's a it, it might be a long and painful process but after that it, it, you you kind of benefit from it for for yeah. the rest of your career yeah, yeah it also opens your eyes like uh, i remember doing this series of animations where um if you were close if you were running and you were close enough to the end zone you could tap a button and they the player would do like one of these six like dives into the into the end zone mm -hmm. and it 
it showed me like, oh, wow, you can actually move something over like one or two frames. And it and the feeling that you get yeah. of that immediacy of that jump or the way that he rolls, you know, from the I'm looking at this raw footage of a person doing it. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that's a two frame move. Like I I would have never had the confidence to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's the difference between you looking and analyzing a, 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 a reference and sometimes pushing it or just letting your brain trying to figure out, oh, mm -hmm. that must be a six, seven, eight frames move. No, it's no. a one or two frame move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so just like long story short, I did I did film for a while. I I I, I kind of bopped around. I, I went to Sony Imageworks and worked on Cloudy and a, and a couple other films. And then at that point, <clears throat> I kind of felt like, well, there were two things. I kind of felt like I had worked on a couple feature films and it, I, I was kind of like, oh, I get this. I get it. Mm. Like I could do this for 20 more years and it'll be this every single time. Uh, and Sony was asking me to move to Canada. And I was like, no, no offense, but I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm but from I'm like, the South. I, I don't do winter. <laughs> yeah. But well, I just was kind of like, I, I work, I live here. I, I, I like it here. I don't, I don't want to move to Canada, you know? And you know, the, the other thing was that Sony had a, um, they had a studio in Albuquerque that they started in, I can't remember, maybe Oh seven mm -hmm. around that time. And a ton of people moved there because it was like affordable. And they were like, Hey, I yeah. can move there. I can buy a house. Mm -hmm. You know, I can have room for my family and stuff. And then Sony shuttered that studio, I think like two or three years later. Yeah. And it. so there was a part of me like, eh, guys, yeah. I, so if I move to Canada, am I going to find myself in Canada in three years without a job? Like, is that is that the trend that's going to happen? But at the same time, I was kind of like, I think I want to get into games. Like, that's mm -hmm. what I was passionate about, that I, I would talk with friends about games all the time. I'd play games all the time. And so I applied to Blizzard and it was for Project Titan. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is it, you know. I've done my time in film. They're just going to slot me right in. Right. And I do the whole, I do the tests and everything. It takes like nine months to do the whole entire process. Oh yeah. Tests, interviews. Yeah. I get there and they're like, yeah, we don't actually want you for Titan, but if you want to talk to like world of Warcraft or other things or something, I was like, Oh no. Um, what else is out there? And then I found turtle rock and the guys that made left for dead. And they were like, Oh, we've got this new game you know, we got these, it's like a monster and he's hunting these other four characters and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, really? And but this is the other thing, like Blizzard wouldn't tell me anything about Titan when I was there for that interview. They're like, mm. we can't tell you anything. We know you'd like it, but we can't tell you. <laughs> oh my God. And there's a oh. level of like, oh, come on guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been Maybe around just a little, block, like just a little something, you know, just <laughs> turn me a bone. <laughs> But when I met with Turtle Rock, they were so real. They were like, come down to the studio. We will show you everything. And they literally like split the owners of the company just played all the concept out on this conference room table. And they were like, look at it. This is what we're thinking for this, this, this. What do you think about? And we just were jamming. That's cool. Already on ideas. And it's like that was the the like the best way to do an interview. For yeah, sure. And, 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 the red, and meet and greet. They read the carpet treatment. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. but but not just that. Like we were working. That's it. You know? Yeah, they hmm. got a taste of what it would be like with you yeah. on the job. They, I mean, and at the end of the day, if it was great ideas that were coming out of you, with whether you took the job or not, they just got some free great ideas out of you. It's perfect. <laughs> Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Yeah, and, and that studio is that studio is great. I think I was like the 20th person hired or something, so it was yeah. a complete a complete 180 from Sony Pictures. Right? I'm gonna, I was like one of 500. I'm just going to warn you. I'm going to want to come back to that. 
uh, okay. that particular job. I'm just putting a little a little earmark in this conversation because this one I'm particularly interested in picking your brain about. <laughs> for, as a from from a fan, I was really up with the hype of that game. And I, I just, anyways, I don't want to ruin it because I want to, I want to see where this trajectory goes, and then I'm yeah, going to well, bring us back in time and talk about that. <laughs> yeah, so we worked, we worked super hard on that game. There was one uh, moment about two years in. I was there for a little over four years uh, in order to ship Evolve, and about two years in, THQ was our publisher, and they went bankrupt. Yeah, yep. and that was my first, mm. my first realization. Like, yeah, did I make mm. a mistake? Should mm. I stay? Should I should have stayed in film? Yeah. Um, is this going to become my story about how I was on this great project and then we lost funding and it never saw the light of day sort of thing. But then 2K came in and was like, no, we, we will publish this. We'll, we'll buy it and, and see it through. So that was awesome, you know, to work with them, kind of to see both, like how both publishers worked was really cool and shipped that game. And then when that was done, uh, a friend of mine at Blizzard reached out to me and he was on Overwatch and he's like, hey, man, uh, we really need another animator. What do you think? And I I was like, hey, let's just go to lunch. Let's get lunch tomorrow. You know, I'm just down the street. Let's meet at this restaurant. And so we just had lunch. And I met the lead and a couple of the other animators. And I feel like at that point, I was kind of like, it's I can do the job, guys. I just shipped this game. You know, I've been in film for a long time. It's more about like, do we like each other? Is this, mm. you know, a good fit? that sort of thing. And it was, it was great. And so I did, I ended up doing the whole interview uh, cycle with them and stuff and, and joined Overwatch and Blizzard and was there for, again, like a little over four years. And then I was on a super cool new project at Blizzard that I wish could have seen the light of day, uh, but that one did not. So that became my story about how the project was canceled. That, that honestly, that, that company, along with a few others, well, I think all game companies have like a lot of these amazing ideas in the graveyard that never got to see the light of day for sometimes dumb reasons, sometimes good reasons. But I know for a fact, I, I know a few of those blizzard ideas that died and man, oh man. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. And what's really interesting is when it happens, you know, you, you mourn a little bit for the idea for the game. Yeah. But when you're there and I was on it for two years, I'm mourning for the team Yeah. because man, after two years of working yep. with 50 people, yeah, you become like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you can, you can throw out an idea on Monday and have it playable by Wednesday. And it's, and it's just, it's stuff like that where it's like, when you cancel a project, it's one thing to be like, Oh yeah, we won't, this game won't ever get to players, but it's the other thing where you're like, you just 50 people who were, who had honed yeah. their skills to work together, just poof, scattered yeah. to the wind, you yeah. know? And, and yeah. it's just, it's such a bummer. You're like, man, we could have, yeah. you could have taken those 50 people and moved yeah. us over yeah, to Diablo done anything. Use that or momentum. something. Yeah. yeah. But instead you just like, yeah, just scattered us and you lose all that, uh, all that momentum and, and cooperation that we had built up. Um, and do you feel at, at that time that the team understood why the project was uh, canceled or it was a surprise to, because I've been on, on some projects that were canceled and, you know, it might have been for marketing reasons or, okay, the project is getting out of control, is going to cost too much, or a lot of reason that has nothing to do about, is it going to be a fun and, uh, you know, beautiful game or, or, or not? So what yeah. was the... So I think um, the the team had a lot of great developers, but the the 
majority of the team was pretty green or they had been on one other project. Mm. So a lot of people were surprised. Personally, I wasn't surprised. I, I kind of was looking around like, um, I've been on this project for two years. This doesn't feel like two years worth of progress. You mm. know, like I'm like, I think, yeah, I think someone might be like, Hey, what are you doing yeah. over there? <laughs> but it was, it was not, um, my head had not gotten to like, Oh, they're going to cancel it. I just thought maybe they were going to come in and maybe crack the whip a little bit and say, Hey, we're going to set like some really aggressive milestones to push you because we mm -hmm. kind of weren't feeling super pushed. Um, but then when they were like, boom, it's canceled that I, you know, the majority of the team was like crushed. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, okay. Um, mm. and yeah, so it was, uh, it was, it was pretty tricky. L luckily I had some, uh, I had some lines in the water, you know, like with some friends where, cause my, I don't know, like I really have learned to like trust my, my spidey sense a little bit. And I could, I don't know. I just had this weird feeling. I was like, I think something's going on. Um, mm. So I just, I pinged two, there were two animators that were over at Riot that had been on Overwatch. And I just pinged them like, hey, you get, cause they had pinged me like a year before. And, and I'm like, hey guys, so I don't know, is that job still open? And they're like, yes, <laughs> we could use you. <laughs> and, uh, and so I started that whole process, but I mean, it's a process, right? It takes months. You know, usually, yeah. even if it's a fast interview hiring process, it'll take three, four months. Oh, yeah. yeah, like to, yeah. you know, wrap it all up. And uh, so I got super lucky that the the Blizzard project was canceled on like, I think it was like on a Monday and my riot offer came through on that Friday. So mm. I had I had plenty of options. Fate. It was fate. fate. And, and mm. what was really good about that was that I didn't have to just take what Blizzard told me I had to do. And I was able to kind of say like, ah, thanks, but no, thanks. I'm going to I'm going to go try this other thing. And um, yeah, and then I went to Riot, and then in my second week at Riot, as just an animator on Valorant, um, the the lead animator left and came up to me and was like, "I told them you should be the lead. <laughs> See it? Ciao, <laughs> bye. I'm leaving. Good luck yeah. with that." <laughs> and I just the only thing I did was I grabbed his arm and I was like, "Are you leaving? Like, are you leaving me tell in a lurch? Yeah, yeah, like exactly. tell it to me straight. Like I, I think." this project is great. I think we can, we can take this and run with it. And I think it could be something really awesome. But if I'm not, I've only been here two weeks. So if I'm not seeing something, <laughs> please, please just give me a heads up, you know? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. I just, there's a startup. I want to go try. That's it. He's like, right. It's great. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna trust you. And he was right. Like that's, you know, we, we yeah. got the game out and it's super successful. And it was a really fun project. So, so uh, I'm curious. You arrived there after two weeks. Can you can you please be lead? Uh, okay. How how do you handle that? Because usually it's not you know it, it's not how it, it's uh, it's done. Uh, I mean, you, you get a lead when you've been there for a while and people trust you. And then, mm -hmm. so how how did that did that happen? Yeah. And how did you dealt with it? The uh, I'll be I'll be I'll be totally honest. Um, Please when don't. I when I got there, I was viewing it. I was viewing everything through the lens of like I'm an animator on the team uh, because I was I was leading the project at Blizzard that was canceled. So I'm like, okay, I'm back to I'm just I'm just an animator. I'm just here to make cool stuff and and hopefully push the project forward, you know. And in from that frame of mind, I was already like, there's some stuff I'm not happy with on the team. 
you know, and I actually think that it, that it kind of helped me a little bit to see it from that point of view. Right. I came in and I saw it, you know, as an animator and I immediately was like, wait, there's some stuff here that I don't, I don't like it. I don't really agree with it. So some things like, um, they were outsourcing a lot of the work. And so they would do, uh, the animators would block in just the first pass of, uh, an agent's abilities, right. In first person block it in. And then they would out, they would, they would send that out to another studio Hmm. and then they would just get it back. And you know, they give some notes along the way, get it back and then clean it up. And what I was noticing was that I would talk to the animators and I, I know most of them. I'm like, Hey, you guys seem like really disconnected and like, you don't really care. And they're like, why would I care? I don't even animate it. Someone <laughs> else animates it, you know? And I go, eh, you're right. You, Yep. I felt the same way when I heard like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to block it in. Like by the time it gets back, I could have finished like three of them. Like, well, and so do you feel, do you feel that this feedback was given to production be, uh, be, before, or it was kind of, you know, that's a good question that was kind of kept on the that's on the a good question um they, there was definitely like a lot of history and and stuff that had gone on before i got there but just from my point of view i saw that and i was like okay well that's that's a problem of ownership mm-hmm. right animators don't feel any ownership so why should they care about quality and then the other thing was that there was a uh there was a real lack of direction for animation like there was a direction for the project but no one was like inspiring or like getting the animators like excited about what they were working on. Uh, and then there also was just like kind of a lack of motivation on the team. Like they just, the team didn't feel like they uh, should hurry to, to finish the, finish their tasks. And yeah. so what I did was I sat down with production and we went over the whole schedule. And the first thing I did was we need to pull in all the work. I don't care what the deadline is. We will make it work, but it needs to stay in house as much as humanly possible because it's hurting the team, you know? And then the other thing was with ownership, they were also splitting a lot of the characters. So one person would do like two abilities for a character and then another animator would do two abilities for that same character. And I'm like, Hmm. no, 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 no. One animator should own the character. They can handle it. They can get it done. And then another animator can hold another character. And then that way you, you why care. Is it, why is it something there are three animators here? Why does it seem extremely obvious to us that it should be the case, but it's not always how it's managed? Yeah. What, what I think happened in this case was um, there was a very aggressive deadline that was like nine months out. It was super scary. Like on paper, I saw it and I was like, <laughs> You're never gonna hit that day. Like that is crazy, right? Um, and I think what happened is people get real freaked out, and production and the leads and the managers are like, "What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" And so they just do whatever they can to make it make sense on paper, mm. but they're not necessarily taking into account. Well, what is this gonna do to the artists that are creating the work? What is it gonna do to the team? Is it gonna is it going to result in like high quality? 
is the team going to be happy, which means they're going to work faster. Like, like just, it, it felt like it was much more about like, we have to make this make sense on paper to hit the date. No. And, and I yeah. think that that's a trap that it looks good on Excel, but you completely disregard ownership, motivation, and inspiration, which is, yeah. which are the element that makes a team uh, efficient and functional and on top of things, having yeah. fun. But what I, to work. what I loved about Riot in that situation was I was straight with them because the clock was ticking and I was straight like, this isn't going to work. Like this, this, we will not hit this date if we stay this way. And they go, tell us what to do. And I said, all right, let's sit down. And I told them what to do and they did it. And there was no like, mm, you just got here. You don't know or anything. They were just like, help us. Like we, mm -hmm. like we need help. We know we need help. And that's, that's what's awesome about Riot is that's kind of their mentality. Like as a company. Is like, hey, we know we're not perfect, so we hired you to help us, mm. right? We we didn't hire you so that you know you can just get the job done. Like, we we need your feedback, we need your your fresh input and and your help. And um, so right off the bat, that was a huge amount of trust that they gave me, and it it paid off, and it felt really good when we were just banging on all cylinders. And then I thought I thought we produced some really really quality results in a insane amount of time and some other like just crazy like technical limitations and, and stuff under the hood but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think it's it, it's those kind of invisible force that are sometimes very uh, difficult and it seemed that in this situation like management was ready to do whatever needed but they just missed this crucial piece of, of information of Okay, no one is having fun here, so there's no heart into it. There's no passion. Uh, we're kind of, we might be dragging our feet a little bit, uh, and here's the the piece that 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 is missing to kind of start to go in the right direction. Yeah, and I and I think that's where having experienced people in their craft move up into leadership roles. That's where it's actually really, really important and impactful is that I can tell you what an animator wants because mm -hmm. I've, I've been in their shoes. Like I can tell you when they're not going to like this decision or when they're going to think this thing is dumb or, you know, whatever it is, I already know what they're going to say. And so I can help you present it in a better idea or like in a better way or, or, you know, present it so that, that the team is on board. So they're, they're, they're there to support it, you know, from the get go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically you're, you're like an animation or an animator whisperer. I mean, aren't we all? I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I think if mind. there's anyone out there that is asking me, so, Oh, what's the difference between a, a leader and a manager? Well, that's exactly the, the, the difference. The manager is going to make sure that on paper, you know, we have the resources, we have deadline, we have a workflow, everything looks, and then let's go execute and coordinate and, and all that. A, a leader will actually understand what motivates people and what's going to drive them to be inspired and provide the best work that they can, uh, provide and then is going to do the social games that needs to be done of what information needs to be told to what person to make sure that this thing will happen with just going to it, so it's a big uh, uh, puzzle that you have to solve but that's uh, that's that, 
that's a very uh, interesting, uh, um, uh, I would say, uh, story that highlights this uh, this difference right there. Yeah, and I, you know, I remember in that when that was happening, uh, I think Anna, the the executive producer, checked in on me after a couple of weeks, and she's like, "How's it going? You know, like, are is it is it working well? Like, are are you okay with taking over this role? That sort of thing." And I was like, "This is the most fulfilled I've felt." in years like it's so challenging but when you get all the pieces just right and you see you see that shift in the the members of your team where they become excited they become invested and they're 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 really pushing each other to up the quality and make make the work really really stand out and and you're just kind of like it's happening. It's happening. Oh, it's happening. You know? Like, it's just such, it's, it feels so good. You're like, yes. All right, cool. And then you're like, on to the next challenge. Like, let's do it, you know? <laughs> but that's great because big studios like Riot and, and others are often, you know, notorious for, for, for being difficult to, to, to move uh, things. So that's a, that, that's actually a great example of, well, you know, a fairly important decision that seems to have been done very rapidly and mostly pushed by one person in this, uh, big machine for, for, for sure. So, um, is that, uh, something that you've experienced or seen in other, uh, studio because it, it's kind of, it doesn't happen often. In big studio that you're able to uh, to change things like this yeah i uh i can't think of anything off the top of my head i know that there were quite a few times when i was in film where i could tell that the team maybe was starting to get a little detached you know just maybe we had been on the project for a while or we were working on a sequence that wasn't that interesting you know like mm -hmm. mouth replacement or something and there were a few times there where I would see the leads like, you know, try to build you back up, like, like re reinforce, like why this is going to be cool. And, you know, talk about like, just think about like when people go to see it in the theater and they're there and they're with their kids and they're laughing at the joke, even though we've seen it 3000 times and it's not funny anymore. Um, they're going to, they're going to spit their Coke out and drop popcorn everywhere because it's so hilarious. And it's because of the work you're doing. Like, I remember sitting in those rooms and sometimes I kind of be like, okay, man. All right. <laughs> like, yeah. I still kind of don't care, but, um, I'll, I'll go do the best I can for you. Um, but I appreciate the efforts. Yeah. 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 After a while, after enough of those little pep talks, uh, talks, you can almost predict when it's like, okay, oh, it's only a matter of time before they use the whole Coke spitting joke. Okay, here yeah. it comes. Here oh, here we go. It's there. coming. <laughs> so motivated. I'm suddenly so motivated. Um, I'm going to go completely left field here. Uh, you've one of one of the, I don't, I don't want to say rare, but but there's a not not a lot of animators that I know that did animated feature and vfx and creature work and gameplay animation and all that so you basically touch to all those different uh how would you compare them and, and what did you enjoy and, and didn't like with uh, each one of them if you can compare them a little bit yeah um i think what i liked i liked the most about feature was you you kind of own the whole shot 
So you can even, you know, oh, hey, I want to tweak the camera a little bit or, oh, I know they, they already sort of like layout did the set, but it would make this gag work a lot more if I could just scoot the chair over like a couple feet. Is that cool? Um, there's something about being able to like kind of like design the whole frame, you know, within feature. But mm -hmm. then equally, that was kind of fun in VFX where you were like, okay, I have these crazy constraints like literally there's a plate of Amy Adams putting her hands down and then lifting her hands up and I have to put a chipmunk in her hands and then kiss her cheek. And it's like, okay, she's moving way too fast. Like this, all this and you're just kind of like, but I got to make it work. Right. Like I gotta, I gotta work with these constraints. And that's another thing with that. I like about games too, is that you're like, okay, I've only got a hundred bones for this character. Like, okay. But, but I need it to, you know, have a personality and feel or feel powerful or, you know, whatever it is, but like, I got to make every bone count and every, you know, vert on this thing's got to, got to do its job. Um, where I think the shift happened for me between film and games, what you create in film can only exist in that, in that shot, in that camera angle. Right. So if I make a cool creature that breaks down a wall and chases somebody through a tunnel or something like that's that's cool, but it can only ever do that. Yeah. And it only ever will <laughs> where it switched to games was OK. Now let's take that creature and kind of like deconstruct it down to all of the pieces that it would require yeah. to have it move in any way yeah, like the player wants it. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. if they, if they move to the right, okay, we need animations that support that thing. If they want to run, if they want to climb, if they die, if they jump, if they eat, whatever it is, it's like this, it's like this cool science experiment where you're trying to build this whole thing back up so that when the player is using it, they don't see any of that. Yeah. And they think like, I am this. Yeah creature right now or i am riding this horse or i am shooting this gun or whatever it is but underneath we're we're all going like okay we need about 150 assets we need a we need an aim pose here and we need slope to this and that and this and um and then once you put it all together that magic trick kind of creates this thing that the player can make do whatever they want like go wherever they want you know do silly stuff too if they want uh that's what fascinates me now is how can we make more believable, uh, entertaining characters with personality, but they're in a in-game, like real-time environment and they can react to you and they can react to what you do and don't do, Th that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh man, that is just makes me geek out. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I feel exactly the same way. It's like, I remember the first time I saw a shot of mine on the big screen and like, you know, the, in the, watching the audience react in some emotional way, it felt very cool. Like it was like, wow, like I can't believe people are connecting with something that I worked so hard on in a way that it kind of moved them emotionally. But that's still yet, I, I nothing matches the feeling of like that. It's like the, the satisfaction of building out a character fully. I feel like a mad scientist. I feel like Dr. Frankenstein, who's like literally providing life to this thing that like, especially if it's going to be controlled by AI, because I mean, if assuming that the AI, you know, logic is really good, it makes them feel like they really do come to life. And it seems yeah. just so exciting that you brought like true life to something as opposed to a kind of preordained kind of like 
life that's scripted. Like, I mean, it's powerful, sure, but like, it's not the same thing in my mind. And yeah. the challenges technically are just so tricky. Well, so there's it keeps me interested. There's something about the process too, where so in the film, it's already been scripted, storyboarded, it's an animatic, it's got rough dialogue, it's, you know, now it's made it to animation. And now you do your part. And then you send it to cloth and hair and lighting and effects and, you know, so on, right? You just do your one part and then push it to the next part of the, of the pipeline. In games, it's like, okay, we need to make this player controlled character that can fly, shoot lightning, um, burrow into the ground and like climb walls and do all this stuff. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know how to make it do any of that stuff. <laughs> I can make it look cool while it does that stuff. And then I, that, so now you're sitting there with your concept artist and your programmer and your audio designer and your, um, yeah. you know, your technical artist. And you're like, okay, how do we do this? Let's figure this out together. Yeah. Like let's, mm. let's all work together. We yeah. all have a piece of the puzzle. Yep. And let's all come together and figure out how we make this the coolest thing we can. It's it's funny that you say this because I, I, you know, I'm drinking your Kool-Aid. The problem is that I've noticed in a lot of, a lot of projects, a lot of projects that, that struggle, they don't quite get it to the point where the departments are able to do that well. Like I find that that's that secret sauce of getting everyone to realize that, look, here's the vision of this thing. This is what we needed to do. But there's enough room in there for these different departments to get together and kind of sort it out. That seems like such an awkward dance for a lot of a lot of a lot of teams. And I think some teams just do this really well, and other teams really struggle. And I don't know what it, if it's a leadership thing, if it's a kind of a cultural sort of like the like a philosophical thing that goes into the way that we the, the way that studio makes games. You know, because I I often still talk about look, there's a difference between you know. There's like, yes, we need to figure out how to how to how to make this game and how to make a good game. But then we you know what we also need to do? I feel like we as a group need to understand better and decide on how we go about making the game. Because the making the game process is in itself kind of like a game. And if you don't play that well, then the product is not gonna be great. It's so funny you say it just as an aside, it's so funny you say that because my son will be like, Well, daddy, why don't you want to play this game? And because I'm because I'm always trying to come in here to work on a game, like making yeah. my own game. I'm like, sure. oh, hang on. I just want to go do that thing or whatever. And he's like, why don't you want to play a game with me? Or it's not with me, but why don't you want to play this game? Yeah. I'm like, actually, I kind of feel like the this ultimate the game yeah. <laughs> is making exactly. a game. <laughs> it is. It really is. I, I, I remember the first time I ever played. Do you ever play like the game game dev simulator? It was like a little bit like a it's like um one of those um it's like one of those simulator games where it's yeah. like uh and it's like a kind of a text based and it's on the, on your phone. Um I I got really addicted to that game because it, it's because someone tapped into that. They're like, hey, making a game is like a game, and they just made a game that was literally making a game. Yeah, because it's like, all just a big if you like puzzles, if you like yeah, Sudoku, exactly. if you like whatever those like there, th then you something for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, like it's i know there's 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 human puzzles just because there's personalities in politics there are technical puzzles that are like gonna break your brain because you're like you, you know animation lives on that cusp that verd that, that horizon that that razor's edge of of like aesthetics and like playability and like what's plausible for like the, the gpu can what can it even do like it's just you're always living on that that teetering edge yeah and it's it's always like exciting because you always feel like you're you know discovering something for the first time when you're absolutely doing it. yeah i think to, to go back to what you were saying about like how how can a team be successful in that in that sort yeah. of like space there yeah 
for me, I think a lot of it comes down to like, it's, it's the way the studio is set up and it's the approach to leadership. Yeah. And if it, honestly, it's just, I think it's all about trust. If you mm -hmm. can, if you can instill trust into the team and say, yeah. Hey, we hired you because yeah. we know, you know what you're doing and you're good. Mm -hmm. Um, we trust that you will finish this work. We will not micromanage you. Go make something awesome. Yeah, well, and and it that sounds, I mean, it, it's not that it easy. Sounds obvious. No, it's right? not. But uh, but it's not obvious. And it's also it's it's a lot of like nonverbal sort of communication stuff as well, where yeah. you know, hey, I say don't micromanage, but that doesn't mean don't check in, like yeah, don't yeah, exactly, hold me exactly, accountable. Exactly. It's more about like if I make a thing and I show it to you, don't just tell me to make it what you want it to be. Exactly. Like, like let's exactly. collaborate. Like yeah. if it's a collaborative exactly. kind of feel yeah. like that. Totally. And and then once you find it and that team is operating in that space, like that's where like that's where the kind of magic happens, right? Like that's yep. where just super yep. cool things you never even thought were going to yep. make it into the game just are like, yep. wow, where'd that come from? Yep. Yeah, I've been a lot of projects that like are just these big, like stressful undertakings because you know, the ambitions are high, the scope is big, and and um, things aren't being produced at, at quick enough speed, and 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 it lead, usually leads to some sort of panic. And next thing you know, there's more production managers on the floor, and what they're doing is they're just making stuff. People do stuff, and it's they're they're chasing deadlines, and and then suddenly you realize, wait a minute, like we've lost our way. We like we're, there's we don't even know what the project is right now. We, we I, no one has even sat me down and, and maybe play a prototype that I feel is actually working and is fun. We don't even know what the core gameplay loop is, but yet we're stressed about giving everybody work. And I mean, and I get how this happens because these big companies have big people, a big, big teams, and they shift off of one project and they end up on another project. And I have always said, I've never, I've, it's, I've yet to be on a project where this does not happen where, and I look at the producer, I'm like, we need to be very careful because if we, I see there's another pro team, team pro shipping something right now, this team is not ready to bring on more people. If we do, we are going to be doomed because now suddenly the people who do need to figure out what we're making will be busy making work for other people and being distracted by the thing that we need most. And it's always like, we know, we know. And then it's suddenly, of course, this tidal wave of people show up and then we're lost at sea. I like literally I could count the number of times more than I wish I wish I could. It's sad. But that's yeah. not an easy. Uh, no, that, that's not, not an easy problem to solve because no, on one side you, you have, let's say, the smaller studio that needs to. Oh, now we need yeah. to ramp up and hire a, yeah, 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 a lot sure. of people, and you might not find them. Yeah. You have the middle, big size studio that have maybe two or three games, and this is those tidal wave that you yeah. discuss, and you need to make sure that the end of your mm. pre-production is exactly time with the uh, totally. And and you have those massive studio that can run into some some of the situation that you. Uh, that the, the you illustrated, uh, David, which is basically, well, there's almost infinite time and money. So uh, you can kind of lose your way and somehow mm. don't have this little fire that you need to, to yeah. have yeah. Uh, well, behind. Well, you. I think one thing to always remember is like, no one starts a job. No one is in the interview process for a job and they're completely apathetic. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't start on your first Red day flag. and you're like, I don't care. Like, whatever. <laughs> Are you kidding? No one does that. Like, no one starts the job like that. Right. But how many of us have ended up there? Yeah. In the job. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, mm -hmm. I'm guilty. Like there's, there's been plenty of times where I'm like, 
yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> like they don't even know what's going on. I don't know what's yeah. going on. Like what, yeah. like, and that's where I think once you're, once you're in a position of leadership, you, you need to think about that and you need yeah. to be like, hang on a second. Why are people starting to disconnect? Why aren't people, why isn't there that fire anymore? Right. Rather than saying, Hey, get your, get your butt in mm. gear and get your work done. Cause that's not going to help, you know, newsflash. Uh, <laughs> it's more like, Hey, you, you gotta just maintain and, and you always have to be, um, sort of aware of how it feels for the dev team. That's, that's trying to make this stuff. And like, yeah. I don't know anything about Anthem. I don't know anything about the development of that. Right but I have a sneaking suspicion that the entire dev team eventually just got so tired of trying to tell them what was wrong mm -hmm. and no one was listening. Yeah. And so they became, they all became completely apathetic and then they shipped a product that was, that was just kind of, eh, mm. you know, yeah. and yeah. I just picked that out. I just, I just picked that project out of thin air, but like there's millions of them and yeah where did like where did that happen like the yeah those people are rock stars they're they're yeah. you know top of the industry yeah they didn't just phone it in yeah like, something I, else it's caused funny that, you, that to happen it's funny you bring this up because i was literally just talking about this um like well it was a while ago now but cyberpunk 20 uh 2077 sorry 2077 um 2077 right do i have that, mm -hmm. that, that name right? yeah yeah um the um you know, because it got big in the news because of like, you know, class action lawsuits and stuff like this. And, and it's funny because, well, it's not funny. It's, I, I remember saying like, look, you know, the sad part of this is there is a team of devs that have been obviously working very hard on this. And, and there is guaranteed, they feel exactly the same way. And they knew this game was going out before it should have. And yet it did for whatever reason. And again, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. Right. Like that, that's right. my point. Like just going back to David's point about production. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to say like, oh my God, it's like management that screws it all up. These are difficult problems that exist. Like they wouldn't keep happening if it wasn't just, if it was an easy thing to avoid, right? This is yeah. another good example of that. It's like, it's it sucks that like so much negativity got surrounded by this game that had huge ambitions and just like that something went wrong at the end. This went out, went out too early or so, you know, for those of you who've never worked in game production, there is a tremendous amount of pressure to get the game out the door because there's a huge marketing engine that's about, you know, like spending millions of dollars trying to get like the word out. And like, so suddenly when that line gets drawn and the date gets set, it's like, and it's not like making a movie, right? There's so many things. Like when you start to cram in all these things at the end, things break and they break badly, like very badly, and especially depending on how complex the game is. And so the, it's just the tension just escalates and escalates and things just start to fall apart around you. And it's, it's stressful. And it's, I'm just, I, I, I wept that day for, for that team. Cause I mean, mm -hmm. clearly that game is really, really awesome. It, it, it deserved better, but sadly it came out and it, uh, you know, it's now in the history books as sort of a cautionary tale and it's sad really, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I know that one of my go-to, approaches um when when i'm trying to lead a team and i'm and i'm kind of lost i'm i'm a little like oh geez i don't know if this is a good idea i don't like i'm not super confident in this thing i'm about to ask them to do um i ask for their input i i go to the team and i say okay so i'll, I'll just be super honest i'll be like hey i i don't feel confident in this 
but this is the best I can come up with. Can you help me? Hmm. Can, 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 can you guys think of better ideas? Like, do you, do you guys think that I'm way off base here or, or maybe I'm heading the right direction, but like you, you guys have some ideas to like tweak this, you know, so that we can be more successful in, in whatever we're trying to achieve. And what I've seen happen a lot of times at super big studios is it always seems like it's kind of like a top down decision. Like it's just disseminated to everyone. Mm -hmm. Like very rarely has it been, Hey, entire dev team, we're kind of stuck. We don't know what to do here. Can you help us? Like, do you guys have thoughts? Um, because I think that once once you kind of show like, hey, I don't know everything. I'm a little vulnerable. Can you help me? Everybody is going to go, I want to help you. Yeah. Like just their, their instant reaction is going to be, oh, mm -hmm. I, I want to help this person. Like, why wouldn't I? You know, and I think I have the answer because I'm very close to the project. I know what's going on. And I, just, I think people could just learn from like, hey, just put your guard down and ask your team. Yeah. And then yeah. let them be a part of the decision because then they now also have some skin in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I wonder, and again, I know nothing about Anthem or Cyberpunk or anything, but like, I wonder if the people at the top had turned to the team and said, yeah. What do yeah, we do, guys? It. We are so screwed. That's it. Yeah. The team probably would have been like, cut these 10 features. Yeah, They're useless. <laughs> do you, totally. Like they probably would have been I like, agree. this is what we do. I like, totally <laughs> agree. And it's amazing to watch how for some weird reason, there's a resistance to that almost as if leadership is worried, but like, we can't just then like, who's going to come to us with the answer for the answers. It's like, well, don't you get it? Like, that's not what you're supposed like. You're about winning, provide the yeah. winning conditions for the team. Make sure that the team feels like they're listened to, because I mean, you're dealing with, that's the thing about game dev too, that you're dealing with a team of people that are very experienced in these different areas, right? Like programming, like engineering, you have animation, you got art. These are hyper talented people, but they're not more often than not. They're also avid gamers avid yeah. gamers that have freaking good ideas about what a game should and should not they're, be. They're a it's part like, of your target audience. They are. Yeah. 100% are. You can like literally, if you can't, if your team can't pass the sniff test or if you can't, if your project can't pass the sniff test with your team, you have a big problem for two reasons. A, they're not motivated because they're, they're, they're worried about polishing a turd and B, because they, they don't want to buy this game. If you don't, you know, why well, it's part of the fantasy of making a game yeah. is you're making a game that you, now, I mean, there is a line to be drawn there. I mean, sometimes, you know, I, people have to be reminded we're not making this game only for us. It needs to be for as many people as possible because, of course, money. But the, at the end of the day, there's a good chance that if you if all your team is thinking, I don't know, man, there's something yeah. wrong. There's something wrong in the yeah, beginning. This, this is where it makes a huge difference if you've been able to build trust within this yeah. team for, and that takes a long time. It, trust is not something that you can just, no. you know, paint on the wall yeah. or talk about or this or yeah. that it, it's as you said you know asking for advice like giving the ownership giving that it is something that that you build I and mean, it goes both ways as well you need to trust your leaders but the leaders needs to trust the, the the floor and if they do then they they will feel that maybe it's okay to be you know vulnerable and go there and be very transparent that guys all right let's uh, work together because i'm not sure that we're going in the right direction and i'll confess i'm i might be the one that is uh, right now driving this bus that is that yeah. seems to be going straight in the yeah. in the wall so the let's uh, let's brainstorm a little bit <laughs> <over here. laughs>
Hey, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to miss my chance. I did promise that I was going to bring something back. And it, it, this is, this is, I think it's, it's perfect because it segues perfectly in what we're talking about. This idea of, of the complexities of working on a, a project, making sure that the team is motivated and making sure that like people feel like there's like that soul that everyone's like, Oh my God, we're so excited. Cause we can't wait for this game to come out. So we can play it too. A lot of these things are interesting dynamics that every game uh, studio and every project's hopes can somehow find the recipe, the secret sauce to make it go like that. So we're like, I saw your eyes light up when you're talking about when you feel like things are going right suddenly and you see progress, you see the team kind of electrify and you're like, it's happening. It's like, it's the quickening, you know, in the yeah. animation, like, or in a, in a game dev moment. And, and uh, that's a hard, it's, it's, you know, it's, we, it, we talk about it like it's a unicorn because honest to God, it doesn't happen all the time. It is difficult to, to pull the right strings in order to make that happen as you know, we, we could on a departmental level and even more difficult on a, a project wide level. I'm curious just to go back because evolve. Okay. Mm -hmm. Evolve is a really good example in my mind because that game, that game came out with a big splash, a lot of energy behind it. Um, gamers were excited. There were a lot of pre-ordering myself included pre-ordered that game very very excited but then the game died very very soon after it came out i'm curious from your perspective and this is your perfect person to ask what did it feel like because i mean i get the feeling because the way you talked about that project is you bought into the dream just like a lot of the players bought into the dream but there was something about that game and i don't want you to incriminate yourself i don't want to put you mm -hmm. in any kind of awkward position so speak about what what you feel comfortable about but like I, I i know that what happened the fate of that game was unfortunate because it came out and had a lot it had problems it definitely had problems but it but it had promise but yet yeah. for some reason it just kind of got bailed on and like i can only imagine that might even be more difficult for a team for like i would almost rather they get canceled and i'm just like i have to deal with that mo the remorse as opposed to it goes out and then it dies like this terrible like you know ugly death Talk yeah yeah this is a so therapy I've, session now go ahead I, tell us what you feel so i've learned a lot from shipping overwatch and valorant now um that i didn't know when i was working on evolve and the the biggest thing is when a pvp only game goes out mm -hmm. for for a lot of us developers we are seeing that ship date as like that's the date like yeah. oh boy like yeah. if once we get to that date, yeah. we can, we can breathe, we can relax. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that we're, we're done. We can take a vacation. <laughs> we can just chill out. We think about something else, maybe start another project, but that's so wrong. <laughs> then you wake up from that wonderful <laughs> dream. That's the day the game ships. It's that's the when the job starts. Yeah. I totally. And agree. unfortunately it, that's actually not when the job starts. The job actually should have started probably a year ago. Sure. For a live service PvP yeah, yeah. game, you yeah. need a, a completely separate 100%. set of people yeah. who are only thinking about yeah. how are we going to support this when it's live? Exactly. Yep. What's the content drop yep. rate? What is yep. the what are the events? Yep. What's this look like? How do we totally. communicate this to the players? Totally. Um, do we have you know a unified communication strategy across all of our social media? Yep. You, you just like all that sort of stuff. Yep. What's the cadence that we think yep. players are going to want for new yep. characters or new yep. maps or, totally. you know, whatever. Yep. And that was the problem with Evolve oh, was sure. we were like, yeah, we did it guys. Yeah. We shipped it. We made it. Yeah. And then, yeah. so the internal dev team was like, we did it. All right. 
now we can work on we we already knew what we wanted to work on for next characters like we were ready yeah. to go yeah and then we were like okay so someone has been some someone here has been planning <laughs> wait no one has been planning oh jesus for the day after oh <laughs> man oh oh like that's literally what like i remember oh. someone like saint saint patrick's day was coming up or something oh, and someone sent an email out like hey anybody have some good ideas for like something we could do for saint patrick's day it was like literally like a week and a half mm. and i'm like no <laughs> i'm oh, sorry we should have already hard. had that figured out we yeah. you should be asking for ideas about uh yeah. i don't know christmas we shipped mm -hmm. in february yeah, maybe something for Christmas or, or later in the year, a Halloween event, maybe. But like you're asking about something that's like less than two weeks out. We can't even make stuff for that. Yeah, it's like, like that we, we can't even certify. Ago. Yeah, we can't even certify a patch for Xbox in that amount of time. Like, yeah, wait, wh what happened? And then I'm an animator. I don't know how to do this stuff. I've <laughs> yeah. been busy animating. Like, I've been trying to ship know? this game. Yeah, yeah exactly. I've been trying to ship it. And, and so that's, uh, you know, a lot of people like to point to you know, there was kind of some weird um, monetization stuff that happened with Evolve. Yeah. And it was pretty like on the surface, it appeared pretty dirty. Mm. It wasn't it wasn't intentional. It just the way it was presented. Yeah, was really skeezy. And it felt really bad. Like I, I didn't know when we shipped the game. You know, we had all these skins for all the characters, right? Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that the only way to get them was to buy them. Yeah. And as a developer, I can just type, give me the skin and I get yeah. the skin. So I don't, I never went through that cycle of yeah. like, Oh, I have to like link yeah, a card wait, wait. and yeah. then buy these 2k tokens with my 2k account and then go to this screen and then get the thing. And it's $3, $3 for a skin for this. What? Like, uh, um, I never had to go through that cycle or else I would have yeah. been, you know, yeah. at the top of the building, like, like hey, 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 yeah. this is a big giant problem. Yeah. And that stuff was kind of handled, I think, by like this third party. And it and it only made it in like for launch day. And so the yeah. entire dev team was caught off guard. Oh, we were all wow. like, oh, what? Because you go to the what store a, yeah. and there's like three hundred dollars oh, yeah. worth of things to <laughs> yeah. buy. And we were like, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. We thought you would just earn those like you yeah. would play. Oh, and for no. every hour you played, you'd earn a skin or something. Well, and it was funny because I remember as a player again, I remember thinking, oh no, like I'm looking at these skins and they were literally just texture skins. There was like, yeah. it's not like what you'd expect from like you play people playing League of Legends and Dota where it's like, no, no, like you can, you can spend like serious cash on like some cool skins in yeah. those games, but you get like almost like a completely different look to the character and it's quite, quite severe where they were kind of going this old school approach where it's like, just like a different color. And, yeah. you're and, con and some of the, I mean, for it. Yeah, to give them credit, like some of the skins were pretty cool, but yeah, yeah, I know, for it's sure. still like from an experience standpoint, you just spent sixty dollars. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, and man. you're still you're still asking me to buy these. I'm like, that's for real? Bad. Like, I yeah. even looked at that and I go, I don't want to do that. Now, yeah. should the game have died? Well, th and that that's where I'm like, I don't think the game died because of that. I think it was all these other. Things it was like a mix of many things we didn't for sure. yeah we weren't dropping enough content fast enough exactly. we weren't updating the game and, yeah. and i don't know if we were communicating well enough with the players yeah so well, 
I mean, and the other thing too is like in the thing that people need to uh, remember, like again, I, like I said, when that game came out, I'm like, oh my god, it's like this is this is like a fantasy game. This is the game I've been waiting for for years, and I wasn't alone. People were excited as hell, but I think the problem is it inevitably, it, especially with PvP uh, games, you need the hold out of the audience because without the audience, there's no game. It doesn't work. So even the diehards yep. that are like, no, 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 I still buy into the vision. Just please, no, where, where are you guys going? No, 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 no. But the problem is, there's already too many other games that are doing all those things right and so they're like the players are like sorry but like uh, nope i'm not yep. interested anymore i'm already too busy i'm going raiding tonight with my buddies i went back to wow for the 500th time because you know that's more interesting to me because there's all kinds of stuff that i can unlock and discover in that game um and that's the problem is like the competition is so so intense in that market that you yeah. got to come out of the gates like firing all four all 500 cylinders otherwise well, you are and in trouble that was some other pretty pretty complicated stuff that we had to try to handle on on evolve but one one thing that's uh that's sort of shared with all these pvp pvp games is that like you said it doesn't work if no one's playing it that like, nobody it's it like just it doesn't work exactly but evolve had the added problem that it was asymmetrical yes so yeah, that's true. very asymmetrical you yeah you were like balance becomes how do you difficult well, it's not even just a balance, but like, okay, so let's say you have 500 people that want to play. Yeah. But 300 of them want to play the monster. That means all these other people have to sit and wait because yeah. they need a monster. Totally. Like, it, like totally. there's not enough people to play the other yeah. four people. Yeah. Yeah. And so that just exacerbates the problem. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. And that's why even during development, internally, we were constantly talking about doing free to play. Because we were like, we just need numbers. Yeah. In order exactly. for matchmaking to work, we just need yep. so many people playing. Exactly. Yep. And that's why I think, uh, you know, the approach that Riot takes is spot on. Because yep. you can or just League. get League and Valorant. I mean, all their games oh, yeah, are free. Good point. Good point. Right? Absolutely. So, They're all like that now. And and you just need butts in the yep. seats, absolutely, so that you can fill those games and the queue yep. times are quick and yep. and you can yep. get a good match. Yeah. Worry and, about monetizing and doing all those other things yeah. later because none, none of that's going to come unless you can hold the crowd. And that exactly. crowd will be held with people in seats. 100% agree. And if it's free, there's kind of no way. reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got to be not good. Try like, it. Free and not good is like, there's again, there's right, too many other, right. just because there's too many games that are free that are amazing. So it still needs to pass the, the good test in my mind. Well, and you also get, because it's free, you get this kind of um, like almost like, uh, like, waves that kind of come with the yeah. with the player base too yeah because totally. they didn't necessarily you know have to fork over 60 bucks and feel like they okay i need to play this for like three months to feel like i get my money's worth so maybe you just like oh, i'll try valorant all right you play it for a week you're like i'm gonna take a break you go play something else but then maybe two yeah. weeks later you're like oh yeah i'm gonna go back to valorant and you click that you know and you play some and and it's like you kind of come and go but because there's not that like well it's 60 dollars yeah it's way That's easier it. just to like try it and then That's leave it. and yeah and you don't like meanwhile it, no harm done yeah meanwhile the you know matchmaking is solid because there's so many people it, exactly matchmaking needs telemetry right it needs it needs yeah. a pool of people to pull from to be able to make sure there's good matches otherwise no good uh well thanks for humoring that i mean it was the, <laughs> the evolved thing is it's it's funny i'd forgotten that you'd worked on it so when we were having our little pre-chat i was like oh man that's, I finally can get some answers to some questions. Yeah, like, I'm still you know, so like I'm still so proud of that that for game sure. and, that, and that team. Like to Absolutely. think that 
at the beginning of four years, it literally was nothing. Like there yes. was no evolve. There was yeah. no game yeah. to play. Totally. And over the course of four years, they made it happen. Uh, a group of like 50 yeah. to 60 people yeah. every day. We were like, yeah. okay, totally. let's try this. Let's yeah. do it. And then, yeah. and then you stand back and you're like, Hey, it's a game. Yeah. It works. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just, cause I, I, cause I feel like that that's, that's an interesting scenario where like the game clearly had a lot of promise. That's my point. And so I'm curious how, what that, what does it feel like when you did your job, you know, that there's a game there and then it feels like maybe someone else might've kind of dropped the ball in a way and like it just dies. And you're just like, but, 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 it, but, but don't like it. Oh, it's too late. They're already actually, you, br you bring up a really good point in that. In that time when that was happening, there were other things, right? Like load times were just atrocious mm. on the consoles. Mm. But there was a part of me where I was like, I can't help with that. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't have the capacity to do it. I wish I could. Um, but meanwhile, we have deadlines. We're, we're trying to get our stuff done. And there was a little bit of, of compartmentalizing that for me, where I was like, even if it takes them five minutes to load into the game. I just have to make sure that the hottest animation and the coolest yeah. stuff yeah. is on the other side yeah. of that make five it minutes. Rewarding. Make it worth yeah. the wait. Now the worst, the worst scenario is that no one waits that long and then they never see it. Yeah, sure. Right. But yeah. the work was still done. The work still exists. Yeah. We still yeah. are able to show it and get jobs and whatnot. But, but there was that kind of fear where it was like, well, I can only, I can only kind of drive this one part. So I hope the rest of it yeah. is going to come through. Mm. I should have planned this better. I should have, uh, we should have all had a beer. We could have poured one out in the name of uh, Evolve. Just, <laughs> yeah. You know, because it deserves it. Um, well, I think it's time. It's uh, these, these conversations are kind of crazy because we, we get into it and then I feel like I'm neglecting chat as per, per usual. So chat, I love you. I really do. It's sorry that earlier I was not able to uh, even communicate with you because there's some weird bug with the interface, but I would like to get to some questions. Do you feel up to that there, uh, Mr. Gibson? Oh yeah. 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 Okay, so we, I'm looking at that. some, some chat here. Yeah, there's lots of good stuff. I mean, we have some questions that came in before the show, so I'll make sure we get some of those. We'll make sure we get some of these. So if you did, if you were holding, if, if you listened to my instructions and you were holding on to that question like I asked you to, now's a really good time to drop it. If you put it before, then don't assume I'm going to scroll all the way up to find it because there's just too many. So please do redrop it because I'm only going to look towards the bottom of the, uh, the the chat list here. So I'll grab the first one I see here. Um, let's see. Um this is always hard because there's a lot of people just just talking about the stuff that we're talking about. I heard, I, let me. I'm going to start with some of the questions that we had before. Now we'll get back to the chat questions. So one of the questions is, um, how much do you know about the background of a character before a a animating it? So like what or 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 like uh, what, what's your approach? Like do you like where do you go for that information? Do you find how how important is it? How much information do you need to inspire kind of giving life to a character? So I need as much information as possible. And the, the reason I say that is because it's, it's a lot more about managing expectations. So unless it's, unless I'm in charge and it's my game, uh, I need to know what the writer wants. I need to know what the concept artist expects, what the game director expects, what, uh, the audio guys are looking for, what the effects artists want, like, like, I need to understand what their expectations are so that I can try to meet them or explain why I think we should change them. Does that make right. sense? Yep. 
Totally. So it's not just like, well, I need to know where they grew up so I know how they walk. No, I, I need to know, like, do you want this character to be like the scariest thing you've ever seen? Or is it, you know, the sexiest character you've ever like you got to try to set those boundaries. So I like to have a lot of conversations with everyone on the team just to try to nail down what are the expectations that you're seeing for this character. Mm. Um, actually putting pencil to paper or pressing starting to press buttons on the computer. I will take from those conversations that I have about what are your expectations for this character. Then I will go and try to create kind of a, uh, a mood board or mm. like a, you know, here's my pitch after talking to everyone yeah. and reading the script or whatever. Here's what I think. I think they should have, you know, kind of like poses like this, maybe angles like this, uh, stances that are kind of this way. Um, one good example would be Viper in Valorant. Um, we weren't getting a lot of direction on her. And so what myself and the animation team sort of decided was let's go with um, like, like evil queen, like, uh, like Maleficent kind of, kind of feel for her. Right. Cause she's the fact that like her, her backstory is that like her family was killed and she's like the scientist. And now she's designed all this like poison to kill everybody else to, enact revenge for killing her family. I'm like, that's pretty, that's pretty terrible. Like you're a horrible person. <laughs> right. And I'm like, but, but you know, she's, she's wearing this like skin tight suit and has this like skull mask and stuff. And I'm like, well, that sounds like an evil queen to me. Like she's going to feel like she is better than everyone. And that's going to translate to how does she stand? How does she walk? How did, what, what kind of gestures does she do with her hands? And, you know, how does she look at you like down, down her nose, you know, or does she look at you this way or out the side of her eye? Like all those different choices that you yeah. have to make. Um, and I, I like to try to boil them down into, I don't, not necessarily archetypes, but like, you know, something that's easily digestible, like mm -hmm. evil queen yeah. was our kind of like our sort of thing that summed up that character. And that was after talking to everyone and then trying yeah. to like source what we felt made sense in the lineup of characters. That's a smart process because that way, like it, you can pull from all the different parts, right? Like, because everyone's gonna have some interesting ideas and some some of those departments have needs, right? Like there's mm -hmm. often game design has some specific things, right? Like for instance, like talking about gameplay mechanics, how can you work in some of the gameplay mechanics into the character? You know what I mean? For yep. instance, they have a special attack. It would make sense if somehow that was incorporated into the backstory of the character and also of course, into their design of the character. I find animators are like when, in, when, when utilized properly, they can be that sort of singularity that all those things coalesce into. But like, I, I like that process, the idea of like literally interviewing different kind of stakeholders and then trying to distill it down into making sure that you put together a character profile that, that checks all the boxes or yeah, at least as I, many as possible. I think what would be good for non-animators to understand is um, you may say he throws a grenade. Mm. Now, now it comes across the animator's desk and it's yeah. like, well, I, sh I sure as shit, I'm not just going to throw a grenade. Like, <laughs> this is going to be yeah. the greatest, most yeah. unique, special storytelling oh, grenade yeah, that they throw. Like, this is this is the and, chance to, to make it bigger. Yeah. And so even though it's eight frames or something, yeah. Yeah. we're like, no, no, no. But like, 
we want to make it special. We we want to find what makes that thing super unique. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. may seem silly when we come to you and we're like, what about yeah. this? What about this? But yeah. we have these eight frames, or you know, sometimes it's longer. We have these frames. Yeah. And every frame we're making a choice, a totally. very specific choice. Totally agree. And we don't want it just to be like, oh, I threw a grenade. It's funny, it, you know, I'm gonna, so this, this, I mean, I need to jump on this really quick because I think this is interesting. I think it's going to be very useful for people that are listening because this is, a, this is, this is, um, so this is something I notice a lot, right. In, and I feel like it's on teams that are sometimes struggling a little bit to be motivated where sometimes animators are just literally phoning it in. Like I, I wish that all the animators I work with on a regular basis think like that, like where they're like, this is an opportunity to do something interesting and iconic, even if it seems like a trivial thing. Cause if you treat all of the things like this, whenever you can, obviously you can't always, cause there's too much time. There's not enough time in the day to do all of the things, but, but pick your battles and treat something that would seem maybe otherwise mundane and then because that's what that's what that's how characters like Junkrat are, are created mm -hmm. right it's like they are a grenade grenadier character but like reimagined in a really wild and outrageous way and everything about them is interesting and fun and nothing feels better i've never felt more inter more more excited about firing lobbering grenades at, at the enemy front line than i do when i'm playing someone like Junkrat, right yeah. but like it come a lot of those ideas do come from animators because they're the ones that are going to like make it fun and give it a face you know so how yeah. do you like in your in the past? How what do you like? What do you do to crack like that that whip of creativity on your team to get them that inspired that they really do treat something that's possibly not super exciting and make it something really special? What have you yeah. done in the past? I, I found success. Um, there was a, there was an animator working on a first person ability uh, in Valorant for Reyna, and yeah. she is um, she's like kind of like a vampire, like soul stealing yeah. kind of character, yeah. and so she uh, can pull the soul from uh, from the character she killed and then is supposed to like kind of put it in her heart yeah. was the idea. Um, you know, we had done some stuff where like in first person, like the hand just goes out and grabs it and pulls it in. Mm -hmm. You know, just we tried a whole bunch of different takes mm -hmm. on it. The, the way that I got through to the animator was this isn't, um, it is not unique enough to stand out as a special thing that this character can do. Mm. Anybody could go grab it and pull it in. Yeah. Anybody. What makes it special to her? Why, like, what can she do that no one else can do? Yeah. Right? So what and so we she do. Yeah. Like, and so like, we started we started looking at her character like, oh, well, she has these like tattoos that run down her arm. And actually mm. the idea is that that feeds into her heart. Mm. Right. And so that's where we came up with the idea. Okay. So she grabs the soul, but then she holds her arm out and scratches yeah. the soul that's into awesome. her tattoo. That's awesome. right. And that now becomes an iconic, super iconic move. Yeah. Just that character can do. Yeah. And it still gets it, you know, yeah. gets it across totally. like what she's doing. Yeah. She's taking 100%. this thing and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's where you can just take a choice and just yeah. tweak it. Yep. And now it's like, oh, that's Reyna. She just, oh, yeah. And, and this is, oh, this is so important for games like this because players that play these characters identify with these exactly. characters. So they, yeah. they want that. They want to give, give me something to identify with because they like to, the, the, the role-playing fantasy of being them and kind of like, kind of embodying them without, if it's kind of like a blank canvas, it's not that much fun. But if you get to do that and like feel it when that's happening, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's super fast like it's a yeah. super short amount of yeah. time so a lot of times you just read that pose yeah yeah 
and so that pose becomes almost iconic in a sense. David wants uh, to say something. Have, right? Yeah, we have uh, plenty of more questions. Great question on the chat. So, well, but like, we're <laughs> if really you don't busy, mind, there's one that I found out that was busy pretty... nerding out though, David. We're super busy. <laughs> I know. Uh, sorry, guys. I don't want to. No, that's all right. No, it's okay. Um, but yeah, as a lead on veteran, uh, how much did you get your hands dirty? And more in general, do you feel that even if you're a supervisor or even director, how valuable it is to keep your hands dirty? And the second part of this question that is also super interesting, uh, if you have an animator that struggled, did you completed his work or recasted his work to another animator? How did you dealt with this? Uh, oh, boy. This? All right, all right. Make sure I don't skip that one because I think that's important. Um, so the first part was how much did I get my hands dirty? Now the production schedule was super tight on Valorant, so I wasn't able to do any in-game assets. But what I was able to do was set help kind of set the style for what the animation style could be. And so I did, I only did two animations on Valorant and they were just two character select animations. And the first one was on Jet. And that was the first animation where I was like, hey, I gave a whole presentation to the team about the animation direction that I wanted to hit, why I wanted to hit it. Here's the pieces that kind of make this style. And then I was like, and I'm animating this to show you how you take those pieces and actually key it in Maya and get the results. And it was things like, um, very quick moves and extreme hold poses with a lot of secondary action. So hit a pose, don't do anything. Like the character can blink or something, but I want you to just sit in that pose. And then I want the hair and the cloth and everything else to kind of be crazy, like overactive. That's what's going to help keep the character alive. But you can just live in that pose for a while, right? Mm. And that was a lot of the style. So I was like, I need to do an animation so that I can, one, I can show the team, but two, when the team starts to do it, I've already done it so that I can help them when they start hitting some spots and they're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get this to feel the way you did yours. Because I've already done it, I can say, oh, you need to hold this five more frames or you know, change this pose or whatever it is. Um, I wanted to do, I, I think it's very important for anyone in a lead role to know how to do the work you don't have to do the work, but you at least need to know how to do it. So I think it's important for you to be able to do it. You may not actually physically do it, but I think there's a level of respect that you owe the team mm -hmm. to, to know how to do it. Yeah. Um, I was able to do quite a bit on the project behind the scenes. I didn't need to create the assets, but that is something that I wish I had been able to do is maybe take an agent all the way from beginning to end in game, because then I can fully understand yeah. what the animators are doing and what potential struggles they have or some things we could fix or some things that are just, you know, super awesome or whatever. Um, if someone is in a position and they don't have the ability to do the work or fully understand the work, then I think it's a personal responsibility of yours to respect the people doing the work and lean on them and be honest with them hmm. because I've worked for plenty of people that don't know how to do the work that treat you like garbage hmm. when you're not getting the results they want hmm. and you're going well maybe if you knew what I was doing you could help me get there hmm. right 
instead of kind of treating me like I don't know what I'm doing, you know, we could be a bit of a team here. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you find yourself in that situation where you're like, okay, I was hired in, um, you know, at a, at a lead level, I don't actually know the engine. I don't know any of this stuff. Don't act like you do. No, that's don't fake it. Like that's, that's mm. just, you're just digging yourself a hole oh, and yeah. you're going to, it's not going to end well. Yeah. Just be honest with the team. Just say like, yeah. you know what? I don't know how to do this, yeah. but I like, I like what you're doing, but I think we should try this. Right. Yeah. But be honest and own it and maybe ask for help. Like, Hey, what do you guys think I should do? Like to get, you know, more up to speed on, on the tools or whatever. And when it's someone in your team that is struggling, because at some point you want to give them ownership and you want to put them in a situation that they can succeed. Mm -hmm. And there is one point that you're like, uh oh, it's not. Or e even if we end up approving this in a couple of weeks, it's not going to be a satisfying approval. It'll be like, all right, let's let's move on. I think. So um, where do you find the balance there? So I have a very, uh, I very very hard rule for myself where I do not, I do not want to open your scene file. I don't want to set a key in your, I don't want to touch your scene file. Um, that, that's, that is a rule I have. It's probably because um, it's scary in there anyways. Well, that, yeah, you, you don't know what you're going to find. Um, constraints all over the place, oh, 300 layers that are I've named. I, that know, I just can't unsee. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, I think that right there, just breaks it like that breaks that ownership mm. that 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 breaks that trust yeah i agree with with someone and mm. if if i am doing my job good enough i should be able to get you there yeah. with without having to to touch your your scene file right yeah. now obviously if we spin for long enough <laughs> then maybe we're maybe we're finding like okay maybe there's some things we need to work on that if you're struggling for that long, we, we should probably yeah. work on that. Uh, but absolute last, the last option on the table is to give the shot to somebody else. Yeah. In my opinion, because nothing is more demoralizing. But I think that. that if you end up there, it, 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 it's probably also to be very uh, transparent by the fact that it's most probably a, uh, a problem of casting. Yeah. that the, the that task was not provided to the right person so it's you know in part the fault of whoever decided to give this task yep to i think you're right i think there needs to be now obviously there's going to be those times where maybe someone just is phoning it in or isn't isn't motivated or committed or something and you've done everything you can and they just can't achieve it but the majority of the cases that i've experienced is someone is struggling for whatever reason you need to also take some ownership in that struggle and make sure they know they're not alone. Yeah, totally. And mm -hmm. even if it gets to the point where it's like, we need to give this animation to somebody else. Yeah. You can, you, you also need to be super transparent. It's not because you can't complete it. It's just because it needs to be completed, completed by tomorrow <laughs> exactly. or the yeah. dominoes start yeah. going yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we're behind schedule and, and yeah. Pete can't take his vacation because yeah. yeah. he's the audio person that totally. now has to wait for the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you don't want to have Pete angry. Yeah. No, no, and so, no. but, but in that space, I feel transparency is key because you yeah. need to explain to them yeah. why this has to happen. But then more importantly, I think right in that moment you go, 
let's take a moment to create a plan for the two of us, me yeah. as your lead and you as the animator, you struggled with this. We know we need to work on it. Let's come up with some kind of plan. Maybe it's, you know, maybe we screwed up on casting, but maybe we didn't, but we need to kind of ease you back into this for whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think the more transparent and the more uh, supportive you can be in that space, mm -hmm. the better. Now there's always going to be circumstances like on a, on a film where there's 75 animators, sorry, they might just take the shot from you and be like, here's another shot. Hope you can do this one. Yeah. Yeah. Suck it up. Because it's, it's so fast and it's, and you're one of 75 people. You're probably not going to get that, that kind of intimate Special treatment. Yeah. One-on-one yeah. -on -one treatment, but on a, you know, in games on a team of 10 animators. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think you should be able to get that. Yeah. You're touching it, on the code, the, the coaching element of being a lead, like the support part is really real. Like it's not, it's not just about helping them get the shot done. But it's also helping them be better and like yeah. to level up. Right. Like, cause I mean, everyone wins this way. And I've, I've had people who, you know, Oh, Hey, I'm going to take, I, I had this vacation planned. Um, but I'm not done with this thing. Well, it needs to get done yeah. in that space. I'm like, I'm going to give this to the other animator to finish it, but I want you to know that. Yeah. And I want you totally. to tell me, are, are you okay with this? Do you have yep. any concerns? Yeah, Is there yeah. anything you were planning on doing yeah, that yeah. you would like the other animator to know about? Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah, for sure. like just if you include them in that decision and in that discussion, yeah. I think everything will end up a little bit better in the end. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of animators treat these shots like are these these animations like it's their baby, right? And it's mm -hmm. like you take it from them, and at the very least, it'd be nice if they still get to go visit the baby when it gets yeah. grows up to to be an adult, right? Like, do they they should still have some as opposed to the unspoken? Well, you sorry, you didn't make your deadline. Thanks, so I'll take it from here, and then you give it. And it can be a big moment of shame. It's even worse when I find you give it to another team member because that creates this sort of like oof, between them yeah. if if you're not handling it properly. Um, it is at we're at eleven, and I I, I don't know if you have time for a couple more questions because if you do, great. If you don't, it would be completely understandable. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. So there's another question here that I think is really great. Well, there's lots of questions. There's like a million of them, but I'm well, the one I'm going to pick on right now is is a, is a one that talks about tech because I don't think it gets mentioned a lot enough enough either in these kind of conversations. The, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but essentially the person is asking, "Have you seen a correlation like like over your journeys at so many different game companies? You would have seen different technologies, like different some proprietary engines, maybe some non-proprietary engines, and and different different teams have different levels of tooling and pipelines. Like how much of an impact does that does that make in your mind as far as the final product like how important is the tech hmm that's a good one i feel like thinking about it just from an animation perspective mm -hmm. it's less in my experience it's been much less about the the tech inside of the engine okay or the or the tools inside of the engine and it's much more about the rigs mm-hmm and the the tools to man, to to animate and manipulate those rigs and then possibly like what happens when they go into the into the engine kind of like what uh what i'm getting at is like well how do we do hair and cloth yeah right is that is that all going to be physics simulated can we potentially add poses on top can it be animation driven so that we can hit a really cool pose but then let it you know do its physical stuff after that like can we ramp in and out of that uh simulation things like that but for me it's it's always been much more about the rigs than it has been about about the engine tech so now you you see the correlation there like in the projects mm -hmm. that have had really good rigs you've noticed a bigger chance of success where 
where studios and projects that may not put a, such of an em emphasis on that, so you've see, you've detected a not such a big chance for success. Is there, yeah, you're, you're drawing a conclusion there. Okay. Yeah, I would you know say something like like Overwatch, mm. those characters and the rigs on the characters. I mean, everything on that game is top notch across yeah. the board, but. When you're seeing um, a character in a play of the game, or you see a character, I don't know, in a commercial or in a thing or whatever, like that's the in-game character. Yeah, that's impressive. like that's not a, that's not a separate yeah. thing. Yeah, you know. Now in the cinematics, that's going to be separate. Even the ones that kind of look like they're in-game, those will be a slightly higher res. Yeah. Um, but anytime that we're animating them for for something that you see in the game like that's the in-game character if you walked up to the character like that's what you would be seeing and yeah. the fact that we're able to get the expressions in their face yeah. hit super cool poses and make really nice shapes with their silhouettes i mean that's all that's all credit to the character design and the and the rigs you know that we can push and pull things uh to get the performance that we want nice i am um, i i have another one david unless you have one that you want to pull out no, go ahead. So there's another another one that's sort of tech related as well, which I thought was really interesting. Um, it's a question uh, coming in from uh, Pixel Theory TV. Um, they were asking about uh, procedural animation in general and like the sort of the the evolution of it becoming more and more a focus of productions. And like, do you where do you see it going? How what are your thoughts on procedural animation? Do you feel like it's sort of is it like is it is it encroaching on our creative space and like, you know, removing our ability to key frame all those movements? Like what's, what are your thoughts? So when, when you say procedural, are, are we talking about like motion matching? Um, I'm, well, or... like that, I think that's an example. I think that I would say like motion matching is one. Um, I would say that um, um, maybe even like uh, um, stuff that's like, you know, based on control rig in real time, that's yeah. actually moving things or like, you know, endorphin and in like all those euphoria stuff, like where it's like sort of this weird merger between physics. And like, I think procedural animation, meaning something that's not keyframe, something that's yeah. been done inside the engine. So in real time. Yeah. I think, um, I think all of that stuff is great. Like I am, uh, I'm on board with all of that because I think what it's going to do is create, more immersion for the player and hopefully it's going to further push the performance and the and the the feeling of the character being a part of the world right yeah. and reacting to what the player is yeah. is having the character do mm -hmm. um i don't worry about these tools you know re replacing my me as an animator or replacing animators or anything uh because i think we we have a skill that creates performances and creates personality that the computer can't do yeah whether it's mocap or keyframe there it's just not possible like the computer can't replicate you know someone who is sad or something like that like to to the degree that we can as animators if we were yeah. to have the time and focus to to create that performance yeah. um i always see it as a tool to yeah just just further push what we've already created yeah. and maybe even uh, extend the life of the assets that we've made. Yeah. So maybe we don't need to make as many assets because there's yes. these runtime yes. procedural things totally that augment right. them. So yeah. you don't realize it's just the exact same walk cycle yeah, the exactly. entire time. Exactly. You know, and, but there's these different things that are happening because they're going up and down a curb or, exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Um, what worries me more is let's say motion matching mm. 
that's a really cool tool. And if yeah. people don't know what that is, that's basically you feed a bunch of data, like locomotion data into your animation system. And then at runtime, it picks and blends what should happen as the player is moving the character around. Yeah. And it looks really cool. But currently, it takes so much data that's to do it hungry. Yep. that the only realistic way to do it is with mocap. Yeah, totally agree. So what worries me is, does that mean it's just going to be more bipedal human shaped characters in video games? <laughs> you know, because mm, yeah. there, there was a while at, at Blizzard where we were experimenting with that, but I was doing it on creatures. And the problem is, is that it takes so many assets oh my God. to create that yeah. I've got this quadruped creature thing. I'm 10 assets in and I'm already exhausted. Yeah. I'm like, I can't. I can't possibly think of other possible things that I need to make, you know? And that's, that's where I think, uh, that, that's where my, my kind of worry is, is like, oh man, is it just going to be more humans? It's fine. We'll just mocap you know? tigers and stuff. It'll be fine. <laughs> Stop worrying about it. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, I I see it in a similar way. I, I like the idea of, of it, at least using technology to, make it so that the animation team can focus on quality over quantity because mm -hmm. I'd because you we can make the animations we do make and need to make um awesome and full yeah. of personality and then let let like let you know let math and science handle a lot of the glue between right because uh nothing sucks more than having to build like hundreds of transitions that are like only eight frames long <clears throat> assassin's creed is full of that kind of stuff <laughs> and i mean it can be soul crushing to have to build that many pieces of data that have to be handcrafted when it could possibly be a bit more i mean nothing against the the, the assassin's creed team i mean they paved the way for highly realized video games so like i'm i'm, I'm a fan i'm just saying that the team did there was a lot and i think that I like the idea of being able to work on quality over lots and lots of these little mini transitions. Yeah. Um, now, I think it's also like it's it's different games too, right? Like for sure. in these in these PvP games that I've worked on, totally. We don't need motion matching. We don't yeah. need uh, you know all that procedural stuff. But if you're making like a heavily story driven game with a super high fidelity you know look and feel to it, yeah, that stuff should be used to enhance the story enhance the character's progression and personality. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I got one last one and then we're going to call it uh call it on right. if you don't mind. Okay. So the last question here I'm going to ask is, um, and I'm sorry that this is only the last one. I'm, I'm, I always feel bad that I have to leave questions on the table. Um, especially when there's so many good ones. Well, we'll just um, have to do this again then. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's, it's an easily, easily solved problem. This is a fun one. I like to always end these with like a fun question uh, that's always entertaining and kind of gets back to the basics. And this question is, what is your favorite game? This is uh, Josh McAnum. Uh, what is your favorite game? Uh, I'll just throw it up there. I didn't do that. I'll, 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 I'll show, but I'll do that this time. What Ooh, What is your fancy. favorite game that you play, or what are they? What are the favorite games that you play when you're burned out from the project you are working on, or uh, to just get a fresh pair of eyes? Like, what What are those fallback Oof. games? That's a good question. So, uh, the fallback game that I'm falling back to right now is Bad North. Oh, interesting. Um, have you guys played that? I've heard of it, but I've never played it. It's uh, it's just a a little roguelike kind of strategy game where it's like you, you go to different islands and then these Vikings are attacking and you have to like move your troops and stuff. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I can kind of turn it off yeah, and, just, yeah, yeah. and just try to beat very it. Very casual, but at, right? But at the same time, um, I know it was a very small team that mm -hmm. made it. 
there's a part of me that's like I'm dissecting it while right. while I'm playing. How I'm like I'm like oh I see. So like the other yeah. night I was playing it and I'm like wait, all the characters are little 2D sprites, but yeah. only <laughs> only at one point when the camera reaches a certain axis point do these sprites flip, and because they have swords and and uh, shields and like you can see them flip, but they just flip over the and I just sat there for I ended up losing because I was like why why is it in this point and then i was then yeah. then i'm going like okay how did they determine the angle of the camera to determine like this is when they should swap the sprites and then then i was like well maybe i'm overthinking it or whatever but that's that's a that's an example of a game that that's fun so it's <laughs> it's it's in other words it's relaxing because you could just play it casually but it's also something that inspires you and gets you thinking right yeah you know what's what's interesting about that answer is and i think that a lot of people should take note because a lot of people out there think they want to get into video games they they're they're an animator that wants to transition to video games or they want their first job in animation they think games would be cool because i really like games and what i always have to tell people is being a game animator is actually you're I always say it's important that, uh, to understand that you should be thinking of yourself as a game developer first. This idea of understanding how to make a game because it is a complex technical puzzle th uh, to, to sort of solve to make a really good game. And you, you need to be thinking on that level. You see what David's always doing. He's, he's thinking about how, like, how? Like, how would I leverage this? And how would, how would you solve this problem? How would you make this work? This is, like, it's really an engineer's kind of job. We're all kind of... In, in a game, that's how you should be thinking. You happen to be bringing animation to the party. It's like a, a, something that you are a specialist in, but but first and foremost, you have to be thinking of yourself as a game dev. And I think that yeah. is good advice for all those who are interested in in, um, in being successful in a game a game industry. One, one thing that I've been really focused on lately is looking at games and trying to pick apart the very purposeful limitations they gave themselves. Yeah. So one might be it's a 2D side scroller. Yeah. There you go. Like, yep. You can't see anything except for this yeah. this flat image. One might be a, a 45 degree isometric thing and the camera yep. doesn't move. Right. Totally. And another one might be Breath of the Wild where you can go wherever you want and put yeah. the camera wherever you want. And all of those things are very purposeful choices for that sure. they made. Yeah. And if you're especially if you're going to go try to make something on your own it's okay to give yourself some of those limitations because yeah, I'll tell you, better. one of the biggest hurdles I've been facing when I try to make my own game is it's a third person adventure game where you can kind of go wherever you want. And I'm like, it's too much. I need more limitations. It, yeah. You know, it's, it's like, it's, that's... and it's not that like, I can't figure it out. It's more like that's too, it's just too much work to do. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily worth it. You know, yeah. like people aren't, you know, so focus on setting some limitations for yourself so that you can actually achieve something that is the quality yeah. you want it to be or the feel you want it to be. And especially if you can, like my head keeps going to like fixed cameras, because as soon as you fix that camera, you can compose everything that's on the screen. Yeah. Every frame, you yeah. can make it look exactly Ex how you exactly. want it to look. Exactly. The pose will look exactly the way you want. That tree yeah. in the background will look exactly the way you want. But as soon as you let the player move the camera wherever, oh boy, there you go. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, this <laughs> exactly. looks like a mess now. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just this, but it's like, it's often been said that like, you know, limitation, the technical limitations mm -hmm. of, in video games to embrace them because those limitations are the birthplace of innovation. It's the birthplace of cre creative problem solving that should lead to being able to unlock all these other things, like make a choice, live with the consequences, but then learn to leverage the, the possibilities that come with that choice and do that well. 
Well, David, honestly, thank you. Um, thank you for on behalf of all the, the whole community. I'm, this is I've had nothing but amazing um, comments and chat about how awesome this chat's been. So hopefully we will have a chance to get you back. Um, I would be remiss to not ask you one final question from my own heart. And that is, of course, who do you play in Valorant? We all want to know. <laughs> I actually, I, I like Jet. Jet. I like, okay. it's the mobility. I like to be able to, like, like to fly. zip away yeah, because I get it. I'm not very good at tax shooters because I just want to jump around. You just strike me as a Jet kind of person. It's interesting. It's sort of shattering my image of you, but that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I suck at that game, so I really have no who, horse in this race. Who's yours? You know, I've been I've been bounced around and and I it, I haven't played it in months, but um, it's the uh, the healing character. I always forget uh, what's the name. Sage, exactly. I always play a utility in games like this because I because I suck. I can't get a kill, but if I can at least take a bullet for somebody heal some, or, or heal, heal someone, them, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's usually what I gravitate towards. Shooters are not my thing. So, I mean, I wish they were, I love them, but I'm just, I just, I'm no you know what? these 15 year olds, man. I, that's what old. I was about to say. Like I've noticed the correlation <laughs> as we continue to get older, yeah, we become less good at shooters. So that's just the way it is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a young <laughs> player's game. <laughs> it really, truly is. So thank you for that. I'll look out for you next time you're online. So I can maybe heal your ass instead of getting shot by your ass. And All right. I will like to uh, do this again. Like I said, thank you very much, David, my co, uh, my yeah. co-pilot as usual. Um, my partner in crime and uh, Mr. David Gibson. Thank you very much for uh, being here. And, Thanks uh, for having me, guys. One. Cheers. Thank guys. you, David. That was great. <laughs> so, David Gibson, uh, the man, the legend. Uh, that was awesome. Um, it's always I could I, I feel like I can always talk for this to, to this guy for probably forever um, because obviously we're cut from similar cloth. We both love video games. We both love animation. Like like it's it's. Uh, it's just, and I, I feel like you, you're all feeling the vibe in the chat tonight too. So that's, that's super cool. Uh, this video, uh, like usual, will be available pretty much minutes after the, um, the stream ends on, uh, right on, hold on, let me get rid of this. Uh, there we go. Um, it will be uh, available on, on, on the Twitch uh, channel. If you want to look at it right away, if you're super eager to go back and, and, uh, and pick the, uh, the, uh, the David Gibson of the past right away his mind uh, with some of the knowledge he dropped today but also it will show up of course on the agora community page usually within a few days so keep an eye open for that um i don't uh yeah i mean thank you thank you for being here tonight uh, we have obviously more of these in store we have another one next week and i'm a jerk because i couldn't remember who that is let me just do a quick check on my uh little com computron here the next one is going to be with simon auto so and that is um, going to be Monday, the 26th of April. So please do tune in to that. But don't also don't forget to um, to check back on the schedule on the live page, agora.community uh, slash live. That is where we keep an up-to-date schedule of all the events that are coming up because we have a bunch of Adam Bingo uh, episodes happening this week to wrap up the review of the remaining animations that have not been reviewed from the 24-hour um, animation challenge back in February. So please do tune into uh, to those as well if you're interested in seeing some good animation breakdowns. We have the same guests coming back. We got Jacob coming for round two. We have um, the Pratt brothers coming from round for round two, and we also have JD and uh, Sir Wade coming for round two. So three more episodes, more animation bingo. So please do um, um, check out the schedule for those those events. Um, so until the next time, I will wish you all a amazing an amazing night and a, an amazing rest of the week. Stay animated, my friends, and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. 
Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.